And if you want to go to a good Bible college, I would highly recommend it. Well, at this time, we're going to hear the choir from Pembina Valley Baptist Church.
Amen. Thank you for that. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you all get a little glimpse into uh, Pembina Valley Baptist Church, and that's a feature that this conference does that probably no other would if we didn't have this virtual conference with media. Uh, we would uh, not be able to share, give you a peek into uh, the conference. We've thought of all kinds of ideas through this, of ways we can uh, feature different ministries across the country through this. And uh, we're just about to have the pastor of Pembina Valley Baptist Church. He's going to bring his second message of this conference. The first one was a great blessing, and I know this one will too. They are just about to uh, start construction. I just got the word from Pastor Sullivan this morning. They've just signed the documents and they're about to start construction on the Family Life Center uh, at their church and that will seat about 600 people. Their church, I believe, and I'm, I hope I'm not talking out of turn, I think when they're meeting, it's from, they have from about 700 people there on a Sunday. And uh, you know what? and they don't use contemporary music to do it. They still preach the King James Bible, and they still have modesty, and all of those things are very evident there. Folks, you don't have to go the contemporary way to see fruit in your ministry. I just talked to a pastor the other day, and he says, oh yeah, we don't have the King James Bible anymore, and we don't, uh, we don't have the music, the traditional music, and we don't adhere to the styles of the, uh, the, the traditional Baptist uh, things. Uh, we've changed all that. But he's leaving his ministry because it doesn't work. He's leaving the ministry. And folks, I'm telling you, don't err by leaving these very, very important principles of blessing. What we need is a prayer breakthrough and blessing on our churches we don't have to change the Bible, don't have to change the music, and you don't have to change the modesty. Stay on the track, but we need to pray down help from heaven. Amen. Tonight, we're going to have our final service tonight. It'll be uh, Pastor Doug McLean from New Testament Baptist Church will be preaching tonight at 7 p.m. And then Dr. Flanders following that. But right now, we're going to have... Dr. Michael Sullivan, Pembina Valley Baptist Church. Good evening. Please take your Bibles, if you would, and turn with me to Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7. Just let me say once again that I appreciate the vision of Pastor Webster and the good people of Prince Albert Baptist Church that you had the foresight to in this particular time where many churches are not able to meet together, where you had the foresight to put together an online revival service. And uh, I'm really trusting and praying the Lord that it will have a wide viewership and it will also set the, uh, the fires, the embers into fires, I should say, of revival in our land and that it would spread around the world. I'm one of those that actually believes that the day of revival is not past that it's possible today. And as I said uh, on Monday night, uh, it was interesting to me that when Pastor Webster called me and asked for me to participate in this revival service, how that uh, I had just started a series in the book of Ezra. Even though I'm not preaching from there, I was really preaching 
uh, through the book of Ezra, just started that because we're getting ready to go into a building program. I've uh, been privileged to pastor the Pimena Valley Baptist Church for some 31 and a half years. And so just praise the Lord for his uh, goodness, how um, the church was started in December the 11th of 1988. And so I've been able to see God work in some tremendous ways. And to be honest with you, I believe that through the course of the ministry uh, that the Lord's allowed me to be in place, that we have had a measure of revival at Pimena Valley Baptist Church. But how I, how I desire more of God's moving in our midst and for the work of God to continue to move forward. I began a message on Monday and really tried to set the stage for the soul of man. And I've entitled this, The Battle for the Mind. The Battle for the Mind. The story is told about a missionary that was trying to reach an unreached people group for the Lord. There was a man who had two dogs, and they were fierce dogs. Uh, they barked and snarled, no, not only at the passersby, but at each other. The missionary asked the man if the dogs fight a lot. He said for sure, and every chance they got. Uh, the missionary asked him which one won the fights, and the answer was profound. The dog's owner said, the one I feed the most wins. And this is true when we think about uh, man, when we think about saved man, the new man and the old man, there is a war that's going on. There is a battle that rages in our members. And I'd like for us to read Romans chapter 7, beginning in verse 14. And the scripture says these words, for we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now then, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, that is, in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. For the good that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now if I do that I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law, that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, neither with the, so then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Having the right mind, I believe, is critical to living the Christian life. One of the keys to doing right, I believe, is thinking right. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Uh, the Bible also goes on to say that keep thy heart with all diligence. For out of it are the issues of life. 
You know, folks, our, our mind is like a computer, they say. In other words, you put garbage in, you get garbage out. Uh, you put the right thing in, you get the right thing out. And it's amazing, though, that as a saved person, we have those two natures. And we can even find in computers, it's amazing what they can do, where even if you delete things off of your computer, those with the skill set can go in there and pull them off. Pull that stuff you've dele deleted, they can pull that and pull the information right off. You think it's gone, but it's not gone. How many times, dear believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, have you set out to do something and then something way back in your past, things you thought were forgotten, comes racing back into your mind? It could be something that's triggering that. It could be a tune of an old song. It could be some thing that you're witnessing right now that you say, oh, that's deja vu. And you say, boy, I've seen that before. Or, hey, I remember when. And that junk comes up. And so you see how powerful the mind is. And we must understand that. And so we have to understand that we've got to watch carefully what goes into our mind. So parents, you Christian parents, what an opportunity you have. That at a young age, you can make sure that your children are exposed to the right things and keep them away from the evil things. Because we all have to contend with the flesh and we have to contend with the power of the mind. And we've got to be careful that we have the right kind of mind, the mind, the Christ-like mind, the Bible talks about. For we have the mind of Christ. We mentioned in the last message about guarding our heart. I just quoted for you Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23 that talks about keeping our heart with all diligence. And you accomplish this by, number one, deciding. I mentioned how important it is to decide to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. That you make those decisions because when we make reference to the soul of man, we make reference to the mind, the will, and the emotions. And I mentioned about the spirit of man, and I almost liken the, the will of man as a doorway uh, from the spirit to the soul. And that's why you have to decide that with your mind, with your soul, that you are going to walk in the spirit, the Holy Spirit of God. So you decide. You decide to die to self. I like what Roy Hessian uh, said in one of his books, The Calvary Road, and I'd encourage you to read that book, anything by Roy Hessian in that, The Christ's Life, uh, is a good, a good read. But he said, you know, the problem I have is I go to the altar and I lay myself on the altar and then I find myself uh, climbing down off that altar. And how true that is, that's something that we have to decide to die to self daily. Paul said, I die daily. And what he is essentially inferring here is that he needs to die moment by moment. And any time a decision has to be made, we need to die to self. We need to die to the selfish desires that we have in the flesh. And so you've got to decide if you're going to guard your heart and have that right mind. You've got to set some things down in stone. You've got to decide to follow the Lord. Not only that, I've mentioned about protecting your mind. 
and we want to spend some more time here. And I began reading some of the passages of scripture in Psalm 119, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word. And I mentioned how the word of God is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path and how important it is to really have the word of God minister to us where we are. It will help us where we are, but it will also help us where we're going as that light, as the flashlight shines the pathway for us so that we don't trip and fall and uh, go off base and go into the darkness. And the light of the word of God will help us as we maneuver through life. Take your Bibles just a couple of chapters over and go to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12 of course, we know verse one, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, not a dead sacrifice, not a dead one, but a live one. He says, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy. That's not W-H-O-L-L-Y. It's holy. We're to make ourselves a holy sacrifice. And just as you think of that which is holy, that one who is holy. Uh, God said, be ye holy in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 16. For I am holy. He says, your body is a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And then he goes on in verse 2. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, when it talks about transformation, it's talking about a crossing over. In other words, our minds need to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. That means we have to, we have to uh, put the right thing in it now. We have to transfer that old way of thinking to the new way of thinking. And that you accomplish that several ways. You protect your mind by limiting your exposure. In other words, you can't watch the wrong stuff on TV and on your laptop, and you can't go to Netflix and watch the wrong stuff or Hulu or, uh, you know, the, the other movie venues that you might be able to get onto YouTube videos and things of that nature. You've got to be careful what you listen to on the radio the DVDs, what you read, what you see, what you hear, and the list goes on. You have to protect your mind by limiting your exposure. And we're being inundated today. Don't tell me advertising does not work. Someone has said today, I don't know where exactly I read the, the statistic, but they said that 85% of the visitors now that visit your church will check out your website first. What does that mean? That means that they will see first. And so they will draw conclusions based upon what they see. And you and I do that all the time. We walk into a place of business, say we walk into a restaurant, we see dirty floor, we see a messed up kitchen, we see things in disarray, and right away we draw a conclusion about that restaurant. We go into a nice place where the atmosphere is nice, the music's nice, everything's just in its place, and we say, wow, this is sharp. We draw conclusions about that. And you and I are making those judgments, those assessments all the time. 
And we do that through the power of the eye gate, the senses, and we have to be careful of what we allow in our minds because it does have a profound influence on us. And so if we're going to protect our minds so that we can think right and then eventually do right, then we have to protect our mind by limiting exposure to the wrong kind of stuff. Even Job said, I made a covenant with my eyes. Why should I think upon a maid? We're also told not to what? Look on the cup when it turns itself right. And you see, we need to limit our exposure. Not only do we have to protect our mind by limiting our exposure, but we also need to protect our mind by scripture saturation. And I mentioned about reading the word of God. Now, when I talk like this, what I'm concerned about is people would say, well, you know, I read the word of God and, and uh, I still have all these problems and issues. Uh, you've got to get it out of your mind about just reading. It's not just reading. How many times have you read the word of God? You read your chapters for the day, say, or maybe even in another book, you read something, you close the book and you walk away and somebody says, Hey, what did you just read? Uh, 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 uh. you weren't really paying attention. And when the Bible talks about hearing the word and so on, it means that when we get into the word of God, it means that we are reading and we are hearing, so to speak, with the intent to obey, with the intent to practice. When, In other words, here you are with an item and you have this instruction sheet. You're trying to say, okay, how do I put this thing together? And uh, what we, a lot of times it's a man thing. What we do is we try to put it together. And then we'll say, what am I doing with all these extra bolts and screws? And why is this part left out? And so what do we do? We get the instructions out and we find out how we ought to put it together the right way in the first, first place. But we get these things and we say, oh, how, how does this work? In other words, we need to go to the word of God with the intent to put things in its proper place, to build it together. So there's the reading there's the memorizing, but also the word of God talks about meditation. And that's something that I think is missing today. I think one of the things that's missing in the reason why we're given into the distractions that are around us and they are plentiful is because we're not meditating. We're not thinking about the word of God. You know, sometimes I'll say, Lord, as I read the scriptures, uh, what do you have for me today? And sometimes I can read one phrase of a verse of scripture and that sets me up for the day because I can think about that. I can dwell on that. I can meditate on that and it keeps my mind straight. Then there are other times where I'll read a couple of chapters and then the Lord will give me something. So it's not necessarily how much you read, even though it does have a cleansing effect on us and you ought to have a discipline of reading through the scriptures. But at the same time, when you think about devotionally and you're thinking about protecting your mind and thinking right as a believer, there needs to be that discipline of meditation where you think and you ruminate, so to speak, on the scriptures. Uh, take your Bibles, if you would, and go with me to Ephesians chapter 5. I love the book of Ephesians. It's a positional book. It tells us who we are in Christ and lays a great foundation for us. Look at verses 19 and 20 of Ephesians 5. The Bible says these words, speaking to yourselves 
in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Go to Colossians, if you would, chapter 3. And it's almost a synoptic account here. And of course, Colossians talks about the preeminence of Christ. So it's interesting that Ephesians talks about our position in Christ. Colossians is telling us that, hey, Christ is to be preeminent in everything that we do. And he lists these uh, uh, words here in verse 16 of Colossians chapter 3. Let. There's our responsibility. We have to allow this. We have to make this happen, so to speak. Let the word of, uh, excuse me, and it says here, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. It's interesting that in Ephesians, it's talking about singing to yourselves. And then here it talks about, hey, we ought to admonish one another with the songs and the singing. And let me just say this about revival. With every great move of God, there's always been a great uh, time of singing. God's people love to sing. I'm not talking about the junk of today. I'm not talking about the modern contemporary rock-infused um, uh, songs of today. Uh, I always say this. I say, you know, the song ought to minister to your heart before you, it taps your foot. I'm not against something moving us emotionally, but it needs to be in its proper order, if you please. And so you need to protect your mind by scripture saturation. And then we need to protect our mind by capturing every thought. And this is blazing new trail for us from the last message. And let's go to 2 Corinthians, if you would, chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And let's read from verse 3 on to, I believe, verse 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. He says this, For though we walk in the flesh... We do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ." Now, when we mention the flesh, what is the flesh? Yes, the flesh yes, is the, uh, the body that we have, what you see here. But it's also uh, the human nature. It's the human nature, I say this, void of divine or God's influence. Then when we make reference to the flesh, it's that part of us that is void of God and his influence. Then this passage of scripture talks about a stronghold. A stronghold by definition is a fortified place. It's like, as one of the definitions uh, writes, it's a castle. And this speaks, I believe, of ingrained sin, habitual sin that entwines itself in other areas of a person's being. And I'm just going to pick on one particular thing 
And I, I want to make mention of, let's say smoking, for example. You say, you know, smoking ruins my testimony. It affects my physical well-being and so on. And so I, I need to quit smoking. And so you need to understand, though, that many times a stronghold is established in our life. And, and, it, and we not only have the action itself, but we have the mental addiction. We have the emotional component. Some people smoke for a variety of reasons. Sometimes it's weight control. Sometimes it's due to anxiety. There's a multiplicity of reasons why we do what we do. And I'm picking on smoking, but we could even do shopping, for example. There are some folks that to deal, they call that comfort, almost like a comfort food. You become a couch potato and you eat certain foods just to give you comfort, to deal with your anxiety, your loneliness, or whatever it might be. And so there's an emotional component to many addictions. And then there's the physical desire. So you can decide, say, oh, I'm going to live for Jesus. I'm going to live for Jesus. And that's great. That's where it starts. But yet you need to get some help to overcome the stronghold in your life. Because those things intertwine themselves in our person. But we need to understand we can have victory over the flesh and the strongholds that have been established, but we don't war after the flesh. It's not by human means that we have victory for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. But notice casting down imaginations. I used to work at a prison and when I worked at the prison, there were times where we had to handcuff the inmates. We had to take them captive and that's really the, the picture that the Lord is uh, telling us. What happens is that temptation comes our way, that thought comes our way, that desire comes our way, and right away we have to take it captive. We can't just let it have free reign in our lives. We have to take that captive and say, is this, does this coincide with the mind of Christ? What is the mind of Christ? It's the word of God. And even though, as I say, that the Spirit of God uh, <laughs> moves where he wants to move, does what he wants to do, but he has chosen, the Holy Spirit's chosen to work within the parameters of Scripture because he's going to guide us into all truth. So he's going to do that which is true. That's why I say he will never lead us contrary to the Word of God. The Bible is true, and so the Holy Spirit's not going to say, hey, do this. I know I said this in the Word, but hey, you can fudge a little bit over here. Oh, no. Against such there is no law. In other words, the Holy Spirit of God will always do the right thing, and the Word of God always leads us to do the right thing and states the right thing. So we need to understand we have to capture every thought. That means we have to capture it. We have to hold it and we have to say, is this biblical? Is this true? Is this right? Is this just, pure, holy, so on? Philippians 4, 8. There be any virtue of there, be any praise, think on these things. And then it says we have to cast down imaginations. How many times do we surmise things? How many times do we let our minds say, well, you know, if this is going on, then it must be this, and it must be this, and it must be this. And we built this huge thing, 
and we don't have any facts to bear up under that. Or we may even have a few facts, but yet we've let it blow out of proportion. We have to, the Bible here says, look, we cast down imaginations and every, anything that goes against scripture or tries to lead us astray. What does it mean to cast? It doesn't mean we just set it aside. It means we throw it away. We cast it. Almost like you take a rock and you see how, how far you can throw that thing. You cast it away. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself. Almost the indication there is a guy crosses the goal line with a football. And then he takes that football and he throws it down. And of course he's happy about that. But we need to take those thoughts that are not wholesome, not right, not biblical, and we need to cast it down, never to pick it up again. We have to deal strongly with sin and strongly with our imaginations and strongly with our thought process. And so we have to protect our minds by capturing every thought. I say this, not only do you need to understand the flesh and the stronghold, but I say, don't allow freeloaders. You say, pastor, what are you talking about? In other words, you and I need to understand and just come to the brass tacks of understanding that we're going to be thinking about something. And one of the problems we have with something that we're going through nowadays is we've got a lot of time on our hands. Uh, we're not socializing like we normally would. We're not able to meet with Christian brothers and sisters like we want to, but by the same token, we need to understand that something's going to occupy our thinking. And so this is where a lot of people get into trouble because most, most young men will get into trouble in their thought life and moral life when they're bored, when they don't have a lot of things going on. And so that happens to all of us. If someone has said an idle mind is the devil's workshop, how true that is. And you need to keep busy with God's things. You need to keep busy with holy things. You need to be kept busy fulfilling the will of God for your life. So you need to be careful during those idle times. Don't allow just your the, the freeloaders. How many times do young people get in trouble and say, hey, you know, we're not doing, well, why don't we just, uh, you know, go get in the car and, and cruise around a bit. And when they start doing that, then their foot gets a little heavy on the gas pedal. They maybe decide to go get something they shouldn't get. And they just one bored thing after another bored thing leads them into trouble. What happens, I always tell young people. I said, you know what, guys, you need to plan your date. Number one, have a chaperone. But number two, you need to plan your date. Otherwise, if you don't have a chaperone and you don't plan your date, you set yourself up for trouble. How many couples wish they could go back and undo some of the things of their past because of idleness, idleness. When David got into trouble with Bathsheba, it says there in that chapter, it says, when kings go out to war, David didn't go. So some people say, well, you know, he wasn't guarding his eyes. That's true. But I believe it all started because he wasn't where he was supposed to be. He got lazy. He was, yes, blessed by God, and he allowed himself to get comfortable even experiencing the blessings of God. 
he let his guard down, that being lazy, being out of place, set him up for the next thing, set him up for the next thing. It's like dominoes. One sin leads to another sin that leads to another sin. And the devil many times is not going to come barnstorming right into our life. He's going to little by little try to weasel his way in. And what he's going to try to do, he's going to try to affect your mind. Because he knows if he can get you thinking wrong, pretty soon you're going to be doing wrong. You're going to be going to the wrong places. You need to guard your mind. Don't allow freeloaders. A schedule is an important tool for victory. And that's what it is. It's, it, it's a tool. Some people say, oh, you just think I'm going to be able to live the Christian life because I have a schedule. No, I'm not saying that. What I am saying is, it's a tool. God may use this in your life to help you live a victorious thought life. And aren't you tired of going to bed with a filthy mind? Aren't you tired of going to bed feeling guilty because you haven't thought right? And you know that because you didn't think right, that you didn't do right? Oh, my friend. <laughs> We need to protect our mind, the battle for the mind. And so we need to understand that a schedule is important, an important tool for victory. Uh, it gives us, we have to purpose, we have the right externals, godly things, all these things. We have to purpose in our heart. Hey, I'm not going to defile myself. I'm not going to look at that show anymore. Uh, as I'm driving truck, if you're a truck driver, you know those truck stops, you know how they are strategic, the world is, at putting the porno stuff, the videos, and the magazines right where you'll pass by. You need to find maybe another truck stop, or you need to find another entrance in there. You need to go down a different aisle. You need to guard what goes into your mind. As you're driving down the highway, you need to understand that you've got to guard your mind. What are you listening to? Don't allow freeloaders. Something's going to occupy your mind. And so you need to schedule your time with God. Schedule and have purpose, purpose in your heart that you're not going to defile yourself. You're going to have to put the right things externally in your life. You say, are you, are you emphasizing externals? <laughs> I am to this extent. It's not the totality of man. Of course, God works from the inside out. That's uh, the series I'm preaching at our home church is, is I, I'm preaching through Ezra and that's the rebuilding of the temple. And before they built the walls and hung the gates back into place that were burned with fire in the city of Jerusalem, they set up first of all the altar. And then once the altar got built, then they laid the foundation and then they built the, uh, the temple. And that was a symbol of the, the presence of God once again. And then they could take care of the externals, but yet they didn't leave the externals out. And as you and I say that we have the Holy Spirit of God indwelling us and we pray sincerely for the filling and power and presence of the Holy Spirit of God in our life, we have to deal with the externals as well as a protection, as a wall for us. So you have the right externals. You put godly things in your life and take the ungodly things out of your life. And then... You need to decide for Christ and always defer to him. When the wrong thought comes, you need to decide, I'm going Christ's way. 
I'm going to think godly. I'm going to defer to him. I'm going to yield to him in every area of my life. Every decision that I make, I'm going to yield to him. Let's go to Romans chapter 6, if you would. Romans chapter 6. And I want to begin reading here in verse 11. And it's interesting to me, he says in verse 11 of Romans chapter 6, he says, Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. You see, the power of sin has been done away with when you got saved. You now have the Holy Spirit of God. You can live holy. You can live for him. You can do that. And he says here, let not sin therefore reign, have first place, sit on the throne of your life in your mortal body that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. Now what's interesting is, as you leave our church, there's a gas station across the the, uh, the church lot there on what we call Pimina Avenue, and it goes right onto our first street, or Highway 32, and you have a, a light right here at the corner, but then you have a turning lane and it has a yield sign there and so it's to help that flow of traffic and what that essentially means is every time that I go onto first street from Pemina I need to look for traffic and I need to yield to the oncoming traffic and in our Christian lives when a thought comes in we need to learn to yield to the right things and then we need to cast down the evil things and that's what it's talking about here. And so he says, what then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid, he says. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness? But God be thanked. That ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Talking about salvation. Being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. We're always battling this flesh. He says, for as ye have yielded your members servants to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity... Even so, now yield your members, servants, to righteousness and to holiness. In other words, we have to quit blaming everybody else for our sin. We have to quit blaming others for our wicked thought life. We have to yield to that which is holy, clean, and right. We have to kick out, capture, cast down every thought that's against God, against the word of God. He says, even so now yield your members servants to righteousness unto holiness. For when ye were the servants of sin, ye were free from righteousness. What fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye are now shamed? For the end of those things is death. But now being made free from sin and become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness 
and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. My friend, the battle for the mind is winnable. It's winnable. You know, the Lord says he came to give us life. That's salvation. But he says, I came to give you life more abundantly. In other words, we're not as believers to tie a knot and hang on for dear life until Jesus comes or until he calls us to glory and death somewhere. No, we are to live the abundant life. In other words, we can experience and enjoy and have fellowship with him right now. But we must learn to have a Christ-like mind. And I trust that you today will make the decision to decide for Christ, to die daily, and that you will protect your mind, and that you will also make sure that you're thinking right, and that you practice this aspect of taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that the battle for the mind is winnable. Lord, we thank you that you've given us the victory through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that you would help us to think about what you want us to think about. Lord, I pray that you would help us to just analyze our thought process and analyze our life and our lifestyle and what we're allowing to come into our minds what we are saturating ourselves with, the places we go, the conversations we have, the people we hang with. And Lord, I pray that we would make any and all adjustments we need to make. Revival depends upon holiness, our holiness, not just in spirit, but in body and in mind. Help us, we pray. We pray for revival. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, I trust that you'll get in touch with Prince Albert Baptist Church and you can go to their website and you can uh, ask some questions there or if you need some additional help, if you're listening and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal savior, let me encourage you to trust Christ. The greatest decision you'll ever make in life is to trust Jesus Christ as your personal savior. And if you're a believer that you're having some struggles in your life, don't, don't, uh, let the devil deceive you and think, oh, there's no hope for you. There is hope. He came to set us free and he wants us to stay free. A Christian can get entangled again in the yoke of bondage. And you might find yourself at this stage of your life entangled. Get in touch with the church. Let us help you. Thank you so much. God bless you.